Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Do me a favor and turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you got your Bibles. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were there. They were all together in one place. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you from this idea. Hopefully you're taking notes. I want to talk to you from this one idea, the power of a story. The power of a story. The power of a story. Come on, let's pray. Dear King, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord God, to be able to sit in your presence. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord God. Um, Father, that we would hear from you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would direct us. Um, Father, cancel and eliminate any distractions, Lord. Help us to be able to focus, to hear how is it that we build a city. Father, I love you, and I thank you. And it's in your beautiful and matchless name that we pray, Lord God. Amen. And come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus all over this place? At the very beginning, over the next three weeks, we're going to take this, this time um, right before Easter. And I'm, I'm going to preach to you a series of messages under this idea or this banner, Build the City. And the hope and the, the, the desire is that we're about to hit Easter. And the moment that we hit Easter, it's all about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate as Christians what was birthed to us, which is our salvation by Jesus. Now, what happens after that is that they began to build the city. And my desire, uh, who, there's, there's a director. Who's the director? Help me. The director that talks about the end of the story and then he comes back and shows you how it happens. That one, Tarantino. So in, in Tarantino fashion, I'm going to start with the end of the story and we're going to work our way up. And then on Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, I got a word that I want to share with you. But on Easter Sunday, we're going to pick up this Easter story and there's going to be so much context to it because of everything that we're setting up now. Here's what happens. It's all about a story. Easter, it's all about telling a story. It's called the gospel. In the gospel, that's the power for salvation according to Romans chapter 1 verse 16. There is power in the story of the gospel. There's power in the stories that we tell. If I'm honest with you, that's the reason why you buy that product or you don't buy that product. Because the first thing that you do is that you go on Amazon and then you look at the reviews. If you go to a restaurant, you ain't looking at the pictures of the restaurant first. You're looking to see how many stars they got. You're looking to see what are the reviews, what are people saying about it, because the power of a story is so important. It's like when people tell me, certain individuals, friends of mine, that tell me, hey, you got to watch this movie. And me and Lydia, there's some people that we just don't listen to, and they tell us that, you got to watch this movie, you got to see this, this is amazing. And then when you watch that movie, you're like, I can't get those two hours back. I turned them in. I just sacrificed two hours of my life. Can't ever get it back. I'm done. And then there's other people that are like, yo, this, story, this movie's so horrible. Don't even watch it. Like, why would you watch Coming to America 2? Like, don't do that. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. So I'm not listening to them. I don't care what Facebook says. And I love you to all my friends who are watching on Facebook. God bless you. Bye con Dios. But yo, like, they paint these stories. And it's like, when you hear the stories, you're just like, yo, I don't want to. Like, you, you ever heard about, about someone? And all they do is, I mean, just 
trash that person before you ever met them. And when you go, be real. And then when you go to approach that person, you go to have a conversation, you already got your guards up. You're like, I heard about you. Like, I know about you. And then when you talk to that person, you're like, I got to have a conversation with the person that talked to me about you because they're the problem. You're not the problem. You're cool. I like you. Like, I like who you are. I like your character. And, 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 if, I'm, and if I'm honest with you, here is a, I'm giving you a free license. The Bible calls us ministers of reconciliation as if God were speaking through us, right? So number one, that's talking about the kingdom of God that was established, meaning salvation. That at the very beginning of the, word, of the world, there was a severance in our relationship with God by way of sin, Adam and Eve, and that there had to be an atonement for that. And there used to be blood and sacrifices that they would do to be able to reestablish that relationship with God. But there were so many laws and different things in place that you weren't able to come to God if you had any stain on you. But then John chapter 1 verse 29, the Bible says that John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. At that very moment, their message, not only John, but Jesus was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand meaning that there has been a, a, a restoration of the kingdom of God that now we have a relationship the Bible says that we have access to boldly come before the throne of grace because of Jesus so we have the, the ministry of reconciliation is to let people know that we're reconciled to God that God has put that word inside of your heart so Another side of that reconciliation, though, is to bridge the gap between people. So here is your license. If there is ever anybody in this entire church, whether online, for my friends who are watching, or you're here in person, that begins to gossip about somebody who is in the church, you have the license to be able to hold them accountable and to bring that other person into the conversation and to settle it. Not to get mad at them, not to make them feel stupid, but the moment that they start gossiping about it, that you can stop and say, hey, hold on one second, I'm not that person. And I would love for you to have a conversation with that person before we continue this conversation. Because our job is to reconcile, not to divide. And hopefully you understand how bad of a cancer it is for gossip to enter anything. And that's not the type of church that we're going to have. We're never going to sit here and have this backbiting where things are happening behind the scenes. And oh my God, do you believe what Chino wore on Sunday? He had like a Hawaiian church. You're supposed to be in church. Like what is happening? I can't even read what his shirt says. It says something about the future. Is he a fortune teller? Is he into witchcraft? I hate this church. This church is all about witchcraft. Yo, you have the ministry. Hold on, stop, bro, stop. Hold on. Let's have a conversation about this. So, so please understand that. Why? Because there's power in a story. Amen. And the story that you tell kind of motivates and it pushes people in one way or another. Yo, that's why our, our hope and our desire is that this scripture and this portion of scripture would actually help you and empower you to understand what our responsibility is in telling the story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The echo of that is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you will be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You're going to tell my story. That's what he's basically saying. You're going to tell my story. You're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize them. That's what we based our entire church around. The mandate that God has given his church, the big letter C church, not just an organizational structure, is where we've based our life and our church around. That we're going to, Matthew 20, 19, go therefore. That means that we're going to reach and make disciples of all nations. That we're going to empower people towards a relationship with Jesus. The mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people towards a relationship with Jesus. Yo, that's our desire. We want to reach and empower all people. The hope behind that is that you would understand that God has constructed this thing called the church to do that. Yeah. 
We pick up this story in Acts chapter 2 where Jesus has resurrected. Easter is over. He's having the conversation with the disciples and he tells the disciples, yo, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go be my witnesses. I want you to tell people about the story. They're inside of a home. And in the home, while they're praying, waiting, because Jesus said, I'm not going to send you out without any, the great commission. That's what Matthew 28, 19, even Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's called the great commission. If you read it in your Bible, there's a subtitle or a heading there that says the great commission. And that word just means to be sent out with power and authority. That's if I was, if I was Bill Gates or somebody super rich and I got on TV and I said, yo, I'm going to let you go to every single store and here's a blank check with my name on it. Go buy whatever you want. And I stand, hey, I'm endorsing this check. He could do whatever he wants to do. You will walk into that space and you will shop to your drop. If you know how to write many zeros, you will probably fill up the back of that paper with zeros as much as you can because there's a blank check and he said you can but yet here it is that we have an even stronger to be sent with power and authority means that the very God that raised Jesus from the dead the power over death hell and the grave over sickness over mental health that God lives inside of you and that God has told you I want you to go out and everything that I have inside of me as a kingdom I'm giving it to you as a resource you to share the message not for you to be a televangelist not for you to begin your own ministry and start charging $7.99 for a little piece of cloth I'm giving you this power this authority for you to reach people because at the end of the day if we're doing this thing called church and we're not reaching people yo you're just getting high if you're worshiping and you're just sitting there in the presence of God and you're watching YouTube videos and you're filling up yourself with so much information but you're not going out there and reaching people yo you're just being a fat sheep that's all it is you're just stuffed you got to fill yourself out to be able to spill yourself out. That's the reason that God gave us. He didn't come and spend all this time with the disciples so that they can go along and keep reading books. So that they can keep praying. It, it, that's important. Please understand me. But the reason why he sent them out was because there were people who were dying and going to hell that he needed them to reach them and understand that the kingdom of God was reestablished. And he told them, all of these things that I have, I'm giving to you. Matthew 28, 17, 28, 18. It says, all power and authority has been given to me. Yeah. Now, Jesus says, I'm giving you all this power and authority so that you can go out there so that you can win somebody for Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And all of a sudden, this room gets shaken. And there is as clothing tongues of fire on top of each person and the sound of a mighty rushing wind that is inside that house. And when we grab that scripture... Especially Pentecostals and some people who may have some type of charismatic background. We grab that portion of scripture and we stop at speaking in tongues. Wow. And we pray that and we preach that message and we have the altars and yo, listen, man, I speak in tongues. I have a heavenly language. We're that type of church. I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. I still believe that God is alive and active in this world. I still believe that people can be healed. I still believe that God is sovereign. I still know that God knows a lot more than I do. And I trust God in my all, whatever you want to call it, -ness. but I do believe that this scripture tells us so much more than just speaking in tongues. I believe that all of them were inside of this room and I saw four different things that I want to share with you today because I believe if we're able to grab this, we'll truly build the city. They turned the world upside down. Yo, they turned the world upside down and it all began inside of this room. And I want you to write a couple of these things down because I believe they're going to help you. Number one, I want you to write this down. God was creating this space, right? Because the Bible says Jesus told them, and go and I will give you power and you will be my witnesses, right? 
And I believe that at this moment, that God actually empowered them. Now watch this. Number one, he empowers unity. Amen. He empowers unity. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost have arrived, they were all together in one place. Now that word, if you look at it in the, in the, in the King James Version, that all together is the word, and they were all in one accord. Yeah. Now that word accord is where we get the word symphonia. I'm sorry, the Greek language is where the word symphonia, that's what it means. That's where we get the word symphony. As an English language, we pull the word symphony out of symphonia, which is a chord. So basically what they were saying at that very moment is that they were all in symphony. Everybody in that place was praying and they were all desiring for the gift that God had asked them. They were all in one accord. They were all in one mind and one thinking. What would happen if the church actually began to have one mind and one thinking where there wasn't Pentecostal or Reformed or Calvinist or, or Armenian? Or what would happen if all of a sudden the church... What would happen if the church, if a piano plays in the, the chord of C, which I think is this one. It's not on. C. It, you got it? Is this C? Freddie, help me. At any time, Marshall. Anytime. Right here. Wake up. Hey, how you doing? Just piano right here. C. No, I just, I, it's quick. Just this one. Is this one C right here? Oh, because you got to turn up the volume. Oh, that's C. I, I, that's the one I said. C. Doing the worship. A piano can play in the chord of C or in the key of C. That's a keyboard. It's electrical, right? I can get a guitar and I can strum in the chord of C. The guitar, which is a stringed instrument, and the piano, which is an electric instrument, all of a sudden now, these will turn into a symphony unison. All of a sudden, they're playing in the same key. It doesn't matter how old the guitar is. It doesn't matter if the guitar is black. It doesn't matter if the guitar is white. It doesn't matter if the piano is brown, pink, purple. When they're on the same key, there's unison and there's power. You can feel that thing like they're all in the same in the chord of C. Like, yo, it's absolutely wild for you to think about it. Like, you listen to it and it's just like, like you feel it. Watch this. Everybody at the count of the three, I want you to, at the count of the three. At the count of three, I want you to do me a favor and I want you to tell me your favorite color. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> chaos. Yeah, it's real. Chaos. Utter chaos. Watch this. At the count of three, everybody listen to me. If you're online, do the same thing. You're weird if you're by yourself. It's okay. Listen to me. Everybody, at the count of three, I just want you to say red, like the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Red. This is all I want you to say. Red. You ready? One, two, three. Red. That's what happens when we're in unison. That power, that thing that you feel where it's like, oh my God, the person next to me. Because what will happen is that there are moments that you will walk into a concert. And as you walk into the concert, the whole band is playing. If there's one instrument that's off and they're playing the wrong note, they're not in, in, unison, in unison. If they're not in unity, if they're not in symphony... That one note that that person is playing bad, you can be like me. You have no musical talent at all. Like I sing in the key of why. Like I, I just, I don't, but I could walk into a, a symphony. I could walk into a concert. And if one instrument is off, I'm like, oh, that's the devil. Something's wrong. There's a spirit in here. It's like, no, bro, that musician just sucks. Playing the wrong key. Like, but you just, in the name of Jesus, I got to rebuke a demon. No, bro, they're just, they're not, they're not in, they're not in unison. But it's crazy. That you can walk into a church and I sing in the key of Y. What a mighty name it is. I rebuke y'all. 
I will sing. Here's what happens, though. What happens is that there's a moment, whether Nunzi or Inkin or Nadia, whoever's leading the song, at the very moment, there is a moment where all of us are singing in unity, in unison, that the worship team will say, hey, stop, just the voices. And you will begin to hear this sound erupted with a bunch of in the key of why singing people that are broke. They don't know what they're singing. They're just singing the words of the song, but yet we're in unison. Here's the trick about those stories. When you are on your own trying to figure this thing out, you look like that person that's in the key of why. You looked like that person that didn't get the, the memo that the worship team was going to drop and it was only going to be the voices. And you by yourself were the only one. What a powerful name it is. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. You start getting real spiritual because people heard your voice. Because you're the only one singing right now. That's what our life looks like outside of unity. We feel like everybody can see our shame. Yo, they saw what I did last week. They saw what I'm going through. I'm so broken. When you're by yourself, bro, and you're trying to do this thing called life... Yo, you feel like you're like insecure. Everything around you is wrong. I'm not reading right. I'm not praying right. God, am I supposed to pray for an hour? Do I pray for 15 minutes? Am I supposed to read five chapters? What am I supposed to do? And you never understand that you're not reading, praying, or worshiping God for God's love. You're doing it from God's love where you're spending time with him. But you're creating all these rules that the law and dogma puts to you because you're doing it on your own. But there is a moment when you're in unity. There's a moment where you're a part of a body where God actually empowers your unity when you have people in your corner that no matter how broken you are no matter how much you've messed up you have people around you that will lift you up and that you will understand that the bible is so clear and it is so powerful for you to understand that love covers a multitude of sins that there are people around you that can lift your arms up that you don't have to live in that shame you don't have to live in that guilt you don't have to live in that brokenness but that god has actually created people around you for you to get some healing I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But, yo, God empowers unity. Yeah. It's, it's vital. You see it in Scripture. Not only does he empower unity, number two, he empowers the place. I think God empowers the place. The Bible says that they were all in the upper room. They were all sitting there, and they were all praying in the upper room. Here's what I want you to understand. There was an elimination of all of the exterior noise, and they were able to come into the upper room. Can I tell you, greater church where you are right now, we're in an upper room. We're in a space where we're trying to eliminate all of the distractions. The bill that you have to pay tomorrow. The car note that you have to take care of. What's going on outside of these doors. You're in a space right now where you're away from all of these things. And God has put you in a space where you can eliminate the exterior noise. But then begin to walk in the power that is found in a place. Because God empowers a place. Can I tell you that this house that they were in. This wasn't just a regular little house. This was Peter's house. Peter, the disciple, the one that, you, that would cuss everybody out and cut people's ear off. The one that walked on water and then he sunk. But we forget the fact that he actually walked on water, which is pretty amazing. That Peter, this is his house. So many different things happened. But I want you to see that God actually empowered that place. That he poured his spirit in that place. If everybody was in different places, number one, you lose the unity. But they were all united and they were all in one place. I want to show you something. The Bible says about the house of God. Four things that I want to share with you real quick. But the Bible says that Jesus, y'all remember this? And, and right before he goes to the cross, he does Palm Sunday and he walks in with triumphal entry and they put palm leaves and branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. And then at that very moment, the Bible says, and he goes to church. And when he goes to church, 
He begins to flip the tables over. Y'all remember that? He got irate and mad, and he just starts flipping the tables over. On, on, on Palm Sunday, which is Passover Sunday, on Palm Sunday, I, I'm going to explain to you why he flipped the tables over. But what I want you to see in this moment is a key phrase that we all know, and we've all heard of it before. We've all listened to this, or we heard this verse that Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of, a house of prayer but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And I promise you, you're going to want to come March 28th. I, I promise you, it's going to be good. But you have turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves because this house that he empowers, this place that he empowers is supposed to be a place of it's a place where individuals who are far from God or near to God, individuals that don't know how to start praying or individuals who don't know how not to pray, wherever you are on the journey, that you should come to a place where there is prayer. Prayer just means a connection with God. It's so that you can know God, so that you can have a relationship with God, so that you can see God, encounter him, experience him, and then continue to walk with him. That's what church is all about. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Church is supposed to be a house of healing. Church is a place where if you walk in and you are broken, messed up, please understand me, man, my story, I was jacked up, messed up from the flow up. I didn't know which way was left, right. And it was going into a church that I started to receive healing. It was there that I started to understand the way that you treat your wife with honor, love, respect is the way that I'm supposed to be treating my wife. And I started to learn those things, not from a little 35 minute sermon. I learned that from the life of being around people on a regular basis, from being in the church, because let me make you understand that the place is the church, but we are the church. It's together with us. If tomorrow this entire building falls down, we're still the church. We're still calling people to come to know Jesus. We're still falling in love with Jesus. Like that doesn't change anything about us, but this place is a house of healing. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. The Bible says, and she comes into the house and Jesus sees her that she was sick. And the Bible says, and he lays hands on her and automatically she gets healed and begins to serve and help in that same place in Peter's house. In Peter's house, whether you knew it or not, Peter's house, Mark chapter two talks about this. And we preached this a few weeks ago, months ago. Peter, the Bible says that they were all in the house and there was this man who was lame from birth and four friends picked him up and carried them. And there was no room inside the house because they were all in there. And the Bible says that they took him on the roof. They ripped the roof open, Peter's roof, cussing Peter, snatch your ear off with a sword, Peter. They rip his roof off. I could only imagine. He cussed in his head at that moment. They rift his roof. They rip the roof off and they lower him in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus forgives him. Two things that happened in church. Not only did he forgave him of his sins. He gave him salvation at that moment. He restored the relationship, the kingdom. He restored it for that man at that very moment. My son, your sins are forgiven. And then when all the religious people got mad and were like, yo, who are you to forgive? I'm God. I can forgive sins. Not only did he forgive the sins, but he also healed his body. And he told them, take up the bed and walk. And I believe that's the church that needs to be represented. Greater church, I'm going to fight until the day that I die. That becomes a place for people to get saved and for people to get healed. And that's going to happen one way or another. But yo, when you look at God, God's house that's what it was they were all in there and he was preaching in the middle of preaching they dropped them it's like weird drywall and pieces they're like yo what is happening right now and this guy's like turning around in a circle like what up Jesus hey sir how are you and the bible says that he healed them not only spiritually but he healed them physically I believe that there's another healing though and I believe that that healing happens in that moment that man was able to see my entire life I've been lame Nobody has helped me. I know how messed up I am. 
Nobody's taking care of me. Nobody cares. Here he is in front of a God who Jesus looks at him in the face and tells him, yo, your sins are forgiven you. Number one, he's going to die again. Like that guy, he's going to eventually die. <laughs> he died. Like we don't hear about him. Yo, he's living in Mexico now. No, no, that guy died. Like, so, so, so he knew like, yo, one day I'm going to die. But then that's when life really starts. Yeah. That life that really starts when you die. I'm sorry, so morbid. Oh my God, this church is so dark. Listen to me. We're going to look 10, 20,000 years down back being with Jesus because you're going to live again. Like Drake is a liar. Like you only live once. That's not true. Like you're going to live twice. Whether you live with God or apart from God, that's your decision. But the Bible, we're going to be thousands of years with God and we're going to be with him and sons and daughters. And we're going to look back at these 80, 90 years that we live. Like, I don't know if I want to live to 90, unless I'm like Quincy. Like, if I'm like in shape and stuff, I could be 90 and I'm like, then I'm good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but if I'm 90 and I'm like laying in a bed, like, Lord, take me now. Like, I'm gone. Like, let's go. Like, I want a healed body. But we're going to look 10, 20,000 years, 20,000 years later, and we're going to look at these 80, 90 years and be like, yo, why did I worry so much? Like, it's so funny. Like, this is in comparison, you're going to laugh. Why? Because we have an eternal mindset. Because we understand, number one, you're going to be healed in your body. Physically, we see it. But Jesus healed them eternally at that very moment. It wasn't the temporary that he took care of. He took care of the eternal in that man's life. He did that before he ever healed his body because he knew the importance. But there are some of us in this place that just like he was, there are some things that it's your body and then your spirit that he healed. But there's some things in your emotion, in your soul that is broken. There's some things, and we've talked about this in the last series that we had, Essentials. There, there is some stuff that happened to you when you were young that you haven't dealt with. And there are some things in your relationships that you haven't been able to process very right. And there's some breakups that happened to you when you were younger. And there's some different things that happened that you really, your dad left, your mom left, they passed away. Even in this city, and even in this season, like, yo, I believe that there's so many cracks that are happening in our soul that we don't even know whether financially or relationally spiritually some of us with church people who have held the microphone or done the thing that I'm doing have hurt you more than anybody else has ever hurt you and those are things that you need to be able to start processing because God actually wants to bring you healing and not only healing that's physical and not only healing that's spiritual but those emotional places God wants to do that in your life he wants to bring that healing he wants you to let go of that hate that you have in your heart that you don't jump into the next relationship thinking that he's going to leave you that you don't go into the next job believing that you're not accurate that you you're not enough for that job and that they're going to fire you here soon like we want you to be able now understand this how do you do that you do that by God number one but the Bible says in James chapter 5 verse 16 confess your sins one to another that you may be healed that it's in unity right when we have real conversation when you're able to take your mask off and say yo I can't stop watching pornography like I can't stop drinking I can't stop doing these things and there's somebody who has been there and said yo the problem is not pornography I promise you that's just a symptom the real problem let's take a couple steps back you have abandonment you think that people don't love you you walk into a party and you feel like you're the only person that doesn't belong there you're like yo why nobody calls me why do I always have to call people you want everybody to fill you with love and that's why you keep filling it with alcohol or with pornography because you're trying to fill this God-shaped hole because God, as you enter into a relationship with him, as you confess your sins one to another and you're real with people, you'll hold me accountable because God is going to forgive you of your sins, but he's not going to make sure you don't do it again. What? What do you mean, Chino? Yeah, that's why you keep sinning. 
Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. It's in accountability. It's in having a brother that you can say, yo, I'm messed up. Like, yo, I'm doing this and I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to put stuff on my app. I'm not going to buy any liquor. Yo, look at my credit card receipts and you can tell if I ever go buy anything, if I ever go smoke. Having accountability when you're with somebody and you're able to confess that stuff and then God comes alongside of that and he begins to do the work in your interior and he starts healing you. But it takes you having that conversation, that vulnerability of pulling your mask off and actually walking into a season of vulnerability and accountability but when that happens true healing starts happening as a church we've created not created but we started our own g groups and g groups happen so that you can have real individuals in your life men and women that can help you walk through that stuff as men yo we have some really serious conversations and Alfonso has been doing an amazing job of leading that and, in, and encountering these conversations and, and being real and saying, yo, here's where I'm at. The ladies have been doing an amazing job. As a matter of fact, the ladies were here on Friday and doing their whole, their whole vision board for, for vision boarding. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, we don't do vision boarding. <laughs> we'll go do a vision board. Sam, let's go do a vision board. <laughs> let's dream about the life that we want to live. No, no, no. But, but the ladies, but, but that's, called, that's actually bringing healing. That actually puts you in a space where now you have people that you're like, yo, I can rely on you. I can trust you. God's house is not just a house of prayer. It's a place for you to receive healing. But it's also a place for you to receive preparation. Did you know that Peter's house in Mark chapter 2, the reason why that man couldn't go into the house was because that place was packed. Did you know that when Jesus was on top of the mountain, they couldn't feed everybody because that place was packed? There was 5,000 scriptures saved, but that's just only men. They didn't talk about women and children. There was probably close to 25,000 people. Everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus was teaching. He was preparing people. Even the disciples, for three years he walked. And that's why some of y'all have been at jobs where you're like, yo, my boss is not a happy person. I told you this. Like, you got to get it. Like, be quick. Because he has a job to do. Jesus... <laughs> Yo, Jesus would say some stuff to the disciples, bro, sometimes that I would be like, yo, like they've given up their entire life and they've, they've believed this thing. And they've, I'm talking about they just sacrificed their whole family and everything. And Jesus would look them square in the face when they couldn't do something. And he'll be like, yo, how long do I have to deal with you? Like, like, yo, you still don't have faith? Like, yo, at what point? Like, what are you going to? Because he understood, yo, I got a small amount of time and I'm trying to prepare you to be able to do the many and the things that I've asked you to do yeah. yo it's beautiful to watch as so many individuals walk into a place that is blessed and they understand that God empowers the place and we have growth track here that teaches you who we are as a church it, it teaches you the four characteristics of a believer who you are we're starting growth track again in April the week after Easter we're going to start growth track every single week and it's going to be an amazing time but yo there has to come a time in your life where you understand what's the calling in your life because there's 87% of Christians right now that if you ask them, yo, what's your calling? That's the greatest question that they have. I, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I was, I, man, I, if I'm honest with you, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm saved. I know I'm on the bus. <laughs> I, I just don't know where to go. And can I tell you that you have a calling and that God actually wants to reveal that calling 
And not only does he want to review that calling, but he wants to empower that calling. And this place called church, it's a place of preparation for that calling. Whether it is that you're going to plant your own church, whether it is that God has worship albums inside of you, whether you're a youth pastor, like the church of Jesus Christ, greater church is a space for you to grow in that. It's not a space for you to be like, oh, I don't want to tell the pastor because, you know, if I tell him, he's going to think I'm leaving the church. Yo, that's not the type of church that we run here. We're the type of church that we're going to empower you. And I'm going to step aside and I'm going to allow for you to come up here and I'm going to let you run your mouth the way I run my mouth. I'm going to train you. I'm going to help you, but I'm never going to hoard this altar because I understand that this altar is not mine. This belongs to God. This church belongs to God. We're not going to sit there with insecurities and weirdness like, no, 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 he's more gifted than I am. I think Jason is a way better preacher than I am. I'm not going to sit here and hoard him and like, stop, Jason, you can't do nothing. Like, no, no, that's not the place that we created. God gives you a place. This is a place of preparation. It's for you to get busy, bro. Get your calling. Understand what you were created for. The moment that you understand your design and who you are, that's the moment that you understand your destiny, what you were created for. Hopefully, we're opening up a space for you to understand who you are more and more. Dang. My dad did that when I was X amount of years old. And I'm watching that I'm, I'm doing that to my kids. I opened my eyes up. There's a, there's a wound. Now... I'm going to bring that wound to somebody. I'm going to get real, get healed. I'm going to take off my mask and I'm going to say, yo, I never really processed this and I never really told anybody about this, but I, I need to tell you this. Now, now all of a sudden you're getting healthy and, and people are walking and you're like, yo, I, f- I feel like I'm not an idiot. Like, I feel like I can actually hold the camera and like nobody's going to tell me, hey, you can't do the camera thing anymore because you're stupid. Like, no, no, no. Now I'm like serving. I'm doing something. Now all of a sudden, like God is using you. He's empowering you. He prepared you and he's empowering you. Reach and empower all people. Yo, it's a journey that all of us are on. The house of God is not only a house of prayer. It's not only a house of healing. It's not only a house of, 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 uh, of uh, preparation. And if I'm honest with you, so many of us, we get stuck in the healing process for so long. Yeah. And we walk into the church and we're like, God's just working on me. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm healing right now. It's like, hey, you know, pick up a chair and stack it. Oh, you know, hold on. I'm, I'm healing. I'm, I'm processing my stuff. I'm trying to, you know, the Lord is still working on me. He's trying to get, you got to get to a place where you go from, from like, you know, you go from like healing to actually like being healed and being able to help other people. Be, because I think at the end of the day, like we're, we're all, it's a house of prayer and, and God's going to encounter you. You're going to know God. It's a house of healing. Like, yo, we want you to find freedom. Like, we want you to close the door on yesterday once and forever. We don't want you to live in yesterday anymore. And it's a house of preparation. Like, you should definitely discover your purpose. What were you created for? But then at the end of the day, God's house is a house of sending. It's a house where you actually start making a difference. Where you put your head down on the pillow at night and you said, yo, I did that. And that did that doesn't mean that you got a good direct deposit from your job. That did that is that somebody actually received healing and help from a conversation that you gave. Whether you go and you help um, Mimi on Saturdays and you go to underprivileged apartment buildings and you go help people who don't have food, who don't have all of the resources that you have, and you go to bless them with food or with time or with Jesus, that you're actually making a difference, that you're actually being sent out. That's what this church is all about. Like, yo, we're creating this space for you to go outside of these doors. I'm going to run my mouth for another 10 minutes here, and then I'm done. You still got another 22 hours left in the day or whatever many amount. And then not only today, but then you got 24 hours on Monday. Guess what's going to happen on Tuesday? You got another 24 hours. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You got to live this thing out. Hopefully, you're getting filled because you're going to get sent out to be spilled. 
Hopefully that's what you're doing, that you're actually coming into this place. Why? Because God empowers the place. He empowers unity and he empowers the place. God creates this spot for you to be empowered. Not only does he empower the unity, he empowers the place. But the Bible says that he empowers each person. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 3. The Bible says that all of them were there and it was as and a mighty house filled it and, and divided, watch this, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. On each one of them, this anointing, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit rested on the entire house, but it also rested on each person individually. I want you to see something, and I'm going to let the Bible preach harder than I can preach, but I want you to catch this. Listen to me. It's not going to be on, or it is going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 31. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, meaning that you were far from God, carried away, by, away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Remember, he empowers each person. That's where we're at right now. He's empowering each person. Watch this. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills as God wills for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that, of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Watch this. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, whether Hispanic or American, whether black or white, whether Republican or Democratic. And all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not, part of, I'm not a part of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole, were, if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. <laughs> Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which, are, which think to be less honorable, on those we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts like our hands and our face have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Those that think that we don't have gifts and talents, that God is actually focused on you, that you, you're hearing so much from God. For some of us that we understand where we're going, we understand our gifts and our talents, and we understand, yo, I'm a nose. Like, I, I smell in the kingdom. That's what I'm doing. Like, yo, I know that I'm a preacher. 
I know that I have decent administrative gifts, but, but I have Whitney because she's amazing and, and Mimi, incredible. Like, I, there's, there's people around me that hopefully you understand that there are holes that you have in your, in your leadership and who you are. I know that. I know that there's some gaps in who I am. I smell good, but I'm not ever to hear. I'm not able to heal very well. But I have people around me that know how to hear well. And I'm not insecure to say, yo, where you're strong at, I need you to be strong where I'm weak at. Because it's together that we do this thing. I'm not a dictator. I'm not the guy. I'm not, I'm not the guy that's like, yo, it's just me. Like, yo, we have a team of people. God has made me the leader of this team. But, yo, I have a team of people that are way better than me in areas that I suck because I have parts that may not be as good as everybody else's parts, but I have people. And it says... That there should be no, and having given greater honor to the parts which lack it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. We all do this thing together. If one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. If your finger hurts, your leg hurts, bro. If your head hurts, your whole body hurts. You want to lay down and go to sleep. Because one member is going to affect everything around it. Here's where I'm landing at. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you, greater church, individuals who are here right now, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. He empowers each person. There were tongues as a fire that were resting on each person because he empowers each person. Y'all remember Voltron or Power Rangers? The red Power Ranger could never win by himself. Neither could the yellow one. But it was funny that you see them getting beat up, kicked, punched, and then all of a sudden, like, the other Power Rangers would hear about it and be like, oh, my God, we're all coming. And then they would all get together, and they would do the whole Power Rangers thing, Voltron for some of my old people, and they would turn into the big tiger, and they're like, pow, pow, boom, boosh. And then you see the fire behind them, and they're just walking like, Because they did that together. Because it's always in that together, but God empowers you individually, the members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. Come on, somebody. First apostles. Second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healing and helps and administrations and variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of ministries? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak into? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. And that excellent way is in chapter 13, as we famously know, and it is love. You can have all the giftings you want in the world, but if you don't got love, you're just a resounding symbol. I hope that in that piece of verse, and come help me, I've heard it. I hope that in that piece of verse, you understand that God has empowered you uniquely. Yeah. The hope of what we've created here with Greater Church is that you would understand that that uniqueness is inside of you. And sometimes you got to mine it out. Sometimes you got to work this thing out and understand, yo, what, is my, what was I created for? Like, you can't just keep sitting on the bed and just thinking, like, yo, this is life. Like, yo, this is, like, I'm really in a life. Like, what am I doing here? Like, what's, this is earth. Like, what is happening right now? Like, I'm alive. I'm talking. Yo, I'm on a stage right now. I'm talking to people. It's not really a stage. I'm on a carpet, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and you got to get to a point that you understand, yo, I'm past that. Now, now I got to get to a point where I'm actually making a difference. And I'm helping people. And, and that place is, it's found in God's individuality. Because each and every one of you have a gifting. Each and every one of you have a calling. Last but not least, the Bible says all three of these guys were there. They were all hanging out. Watch this. All of them were hanging out. And they, all of a sudden, there was the Holy Spirit swept through this place. He empowered the unity. He empowered the people individually. 
he, he actually worked in such a beautiful way. But they didn't stay there. They didn't stay inside the house. The Bible says that people around them were listening to them speaking in tongues and they were hearing it in their own language. And people were like, yo, yo, these people, they're drunk. <laughs> then they're turned up. It, listen to them. They're speaking in my language. Like, yo, what is going on? By the way, this time was kind of after Passover. So there were so many different nations that were there to go celebrate Passover. The Jewish nation had come from all over the place to go to this place in Jerusalem. And here it is that they were all there, every single nation, but yet they were listening to it in English, in Spanish, in Creole, in Patois. They were listening to it in Mandarin. Like they were listening to their own language and they were like, yo, these people are drunk, bro. What is going on right now? And the Bible says that they say something so beautiful. Listen to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. It says, and everyone understood in their own individual, like chapter uh, verse 12. Everyone understood in their own individual language and culture the wonderful works of God. They all understood the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God, yes, that's all theological. It's talking about redemption, a part atonement. It's talking about justification, salvation. It's talking about all of those things. And those are a bunch of big words that you're like, I'm going to go listen to the tape later because I need to like Google those things. What do you mean by all that? And y'all, we, we'll, we'll explain all of those things. But I want you to see something because as I tried to figure out what it was that he was saying, the wonderful works of God, the wonderful works of God like I, I just kept thinking to myself I'm like maybe that's like something hidden in the Bible that you gotta like pull out from like Ezekiel or like Habakkuk like one of those mysterious books that you just gotta pull it out from there and then and then Peter just begins to say but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them and he said men of Judah all in Jerusalem let this be known to you and give ears to my word for these people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day but it is what it was uttered by prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on the male servants and the female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. That's everybody. Regardless of economic background. Regardless of pedigree. Regardless of what your last name is. Regardless of what your skin color is. Regardless of where you came from. It has no geographic boundaries. And I will show wonders in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire. Vapors and smoke. And then he begins to talk about what it's going to look at the end but then he paints this picture and he says hey remember about 50 days ago that you killed this one guy remember that guy well that guy actually gave us a promise and that guy actually resurrected you you heard about it because the bible says that there was over 500 witnesses that saw jesus after the resurrection and peter stands up and he begins to tell a story my mom moved here when I was in her belly from Cuba, escaping communist rule. And she did some, you know, political things that she was trying to revolt against the, the communist country. And, and in 1980, she actually came to the United States of America and going through all the immigration stuff that was happening. Go watch Scarface. <laughs> During all that time, <laughs> she went up and she landed in New York. And I was born in New York. And a couple years later, my uncle, who was uh, uh, 
he was he was in the pharmaceutical street business. He was he was with my family, and my mom moved in with him. And when I was about five years old, he ended up going to jail. Um, and when he ended up going to jail, we ended up moving to Miami, Florida when I was about five years old. We had bounced around all our family. If you're Cuban, Miami is like second Cuba. <laughs> and we ended up in Miami, Florida. And my mom used to work because she didn't have the money no more for my uncle. And my dad was gone. She used to work from 7 in the morning to 11, sometimes 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I would have a plate of food for breakfast and I had my key. Y'all remember that? Like, you had your little key hanging off. You lost it 48 times, and you had to call your landlord. And I had my key, and that's how I, I kind of lived. As a five-year-old, walking to school and walking from school, before you knew it, I was scared of being in the house by myself all the time. So I would turn on all the lights. I'd have a knife. I'd be like, watch TV till it, till like the snow came out. Now that doesn't happen. Like, there's shows 24-7. Like, it doesn't happen like it used to. Like, TV ended at some point. Now it's four in the morning, you're still watching TV. But here it is that we used, I would watch that and I would try to go to sleep. And then at the age of five, after being scared so much, I'm like, yo, I'm going to go play outside with my friends. And here it is as a five-year-old, I'm outside playing with my friends. By the time I was eight years old, the neighborhood that I was in was so gang infested that I learned because I was a sponge. And at the age of eight years old, I got jumped into a gang. I got kicked out of two schools. I was arrested two times at the age of eight. By the time I was 16, my life was spiraling completely out of control. I had been in jail nine different times. I committed some major offenses. I was completely knee-deep in the gang life. I was giving my entire existence. I was shot in my stomach. I had my neck ripped open. My head cracked open. I was just a disaster. 16 years old. I had kind of an encounter with God, but it wasn't anything substantial because it was just, it was just me and God, right? And I didn't have people around me. So I was the guy that was like, what a powerful name. This is stupid. Why am I doing this? And then I went back to the old world. And by the time I was 19 years old, after being in jail 13 different times, I was arrested. And we got into a gang fight. And it was crazy because I remember 21 days into it, me and God, we had a, we had a way of doing things. I would go to jail. I'd do it some time. And then i go home. This time, the judge looked at me in the face and offered me 90 years. That means that I would get out when I was 109. I didn't think I was going to live that long. <laughs> so I remember leaving from the courtroom that day, going back to my room. And under some state white linen sheets, I didn't have this holy piano from Freddie. I didn't have service. I didn't have any of that. I just had me and God. And I remember crying and saying, God, if I go home today or if I stay here for the rest of my life, I need you. Like, I, I got to get my relationship right with you. And I don't know who you are. Like, all I've ever learned was witchcraft. And, but I've gone to enough services in jail where they gave me cookies and sodas and they talked about you. Just teach me. And that very same day, I remember at night, there was a TV room in the back. And in that TV room was where you could watch the sports team. But it was closed and it had a plexiglass so you can scream because we were Dolphin fans and you scream at the Dolphins a lot. And I was there. And, and I remember that in that room, they preached the gospel. The story. And for the first time, I understood it. And I was like, yo, hold on. So I don't, have to, I don't have to read my Bible 48 times to receive him? Like, I don't have to go to church every single day of my life to have a relationship with him? Like, I can go to church and I can read my Bible because I have a relationship for him. I don't earn my way to a relationship for him. <laughs> 
Please understand what I'm saying because I thought I had to be perfect. I had to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop doing all of these things. And then I could walk and have a relationship with God. When it was the opposite, I'm never going to be able to change if I don't come to God first. And it's the moment that I come to God that he begins to change me, to transform me. He begins to do the work in me. You're going to wait too late if you think you're going to change before you go to God. It's God who changes you. I didn't know that. So I finally get to this space where I'm like, well, man, listen, I got weed in my system. I, I, if you give me a black and mild right now, I'll smoke it in front of everybody. Like, I want to drink. I want to do everything. But God, right now, you got to do this. And that very service with four, three guys, they were all criminals. I sat in that service and I finally surrendered to Jesus. My life did such a radical 180 that five months later, I was preaching in that Bible study. Then I started another Bible study. Then I opened up a Spanish. I was planting churches in the chain gang. And then I started a Spanish Bible study. And I began to preach. I started playing sports really well. And I started doing rap music. And it was funny because here I am where everybody is bad. And they're all running to me to talk to me about a good God. I'm bad too. I didn't have it all figured out. I got sentenced to five years in prison. If you think about that, it's super dark. <laughs> and it's super like, yo, you went to prison for five years? Oh, my God. You know that those five years were probably the, I wouldn't say the greatest years of my life. But at that point, those were the greatest five years of my life. Because I started to understand the Bible and unpack it. God started to call me. I had some of the biggest drug dealers. Yeah, they sell drugs in prison. Some of the biggest drug dealers on the compound crying on my chest because the girl left them or because they wanted to know God. I started using music to start bringing people. I was an evangelist. I started Bible studies. Like what you see here, it was happening inside of the church of, of, of the jail prison. Like I was talking to people. I understood, oh God, you're going to use me for the rest of my days. I got out and I, I married that little cute thing in the back over there by the computer. And I've given my life to the ministry. It's a story. It's a story. But all over the country, I've shared this story. And all over the country, I've watched as young people have flooded altars, as older people have flooded altars, as they've raised their hand because they've seen, yo, if God could do it through you, I know he could do it through me. Because they've seen, yo, there gotta be hope. I don't have the horror story. I just hated church because my mom used to take me all the time and I just didn't want to go to church. So I started doing this. And you don't have to have the horror story. It's the redemption. It's that God will he'll empower the story. Jesus, the gospel, the power to save. It's the story. It's the story that a perfect God will step out of heaven and that he would walk here on earth with us and that he would live a sinless life and that Jesus the son that he would die on the cross that we're going to talk about it in just a few weeks that he would go down and that he would take the keys from death hell and the grave that he would come back with victory and that holding this victory he would entrust us to continue to share this message it's the gospel it's the story of Jesus that has the power of Jesus outside of the gospel we can't do nothing outside of Jesus we can't do nothing it was the very blood that he shed that empowered for this story to have such power it's the power of a story a story can change everything a story can change you would you do me a favor and would you bow your head for just a second thanks for listening to our podcast today 
The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at MyGreater.